Top Shelf from Rat Pack Productions, where we discuss food, spirits, and all the other things that make life worth living. We are your hosts. I am Adam, and as the community manager of the Yelp Elites in East Los Angeles, Katie. Hey. Today we are recording from Barcito in downtown Los Angeles, just three blocks from the Staples Center. Barcito is an Argentine cocktail bar that also offers a variety of delectable foods, along with their signature drinks, beers, and wines. Joining us today is the founder and owner of Barcito, Andrea Borgen. Hello. Thanks for joining us, Andrea. Thank you. Uh, how long has Barcito been here? So we opened in September, so we're just about to hit eight months right now. And uh, what's what's been the, uh, I guess, the reception of, of the, the community to Barcito so far? It's been great. You know, we're, I mean, we're kind of on a weird corner in a weirder neighborhood in downtown. Okay. Definitely on the fringes here. We're on 12th and Grand. Um, so kind of one of the last corners <laughs> before you get in the middle of nowhere. Um, <laughs> but it's a really exciting community. I mean, it's kind of becoming the residential hub of downtown. It's the safest neighborhood downtown. Uh, it's called South Park. And... Uh, you know, the local community has been so supportive. It's a really kind of just warm, welcoming community. I, I know half the people in the restaurant right now. Um, and I don't think there are a lot of places in L.A. that you can say that anymore. Yeah, uh, I was noticing you're, you're interacting with some of the people that were, were leaving here. And uh, you knew you told us backstory about them, that they kind of come here every other week. or uh, So you, you get to know the customers pretty well? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have a ton of regular guests um, so we see, I mean, we see the same faces again and again and again. And that's, I mean, that's kind of what we're trying to do. You know, we want to be a neighborhood spot. We kind of want to be a pillar of this community. And, um, you know, it's definitely uh, a process, but I think people have been incredibly supportive and, and uh, definitely has kind of become that, like, local meeting spot, which is great. Okay. Now, what, what's your background? Where did you get started in... In, in everything that was, I guess, food-related or... Yeah, so I kind of started my career with Hillstone Restaurant Group, they own Houston's, and I was with them uh, at several locations, mostly on the East Coast. So I was in Miami in the South Florida area at a couple locations, and then I was in the New York area with them, um, both in New Jersey and in New York City, and then I left them to work for Danny Meyer's Restaurant Group, and I was a GM with him for a couple of years as well before moving back to Los Angeles, which is where I'm originally from. Okay. And uh, so anything that you learned from those places that you can kind of transition into running this place? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think I'm obviously biased, but um, they are probably two of the most influential restaurant groups in the country. I think, you know, what Hillstone does uh, as far as the quality and the consistency of the dining experience there between the food and the service, um, it's just executed in such a flawless way. They have 60 locations, and you can go to any one of them and have oh, wow. an almost identical, identically perfect experience. Okay. Uh, and then on the other side of the coin, I think Danny Meyer's Restaurant Group is really incredible, uh, incredibly talented with how they sort of make their guests feel. Uh, and I think curating a really fantastic, unrivaled employee experience uh, where, you know, not only do the employees love working there, but they love taking care of the guests and it kind of permeates throughout the entire restaurant. So I definitely took both of those experiences and tried to kind of combine what I thought was really great about each restaurant group uh, in sort of creating my own vision here. Okay. Now, did you seek out the, uh, the, Hillstone, the Hillstone group? Did you try to work for them or how did you get in the door with that? How, 
So I was actually, I was recruited by them when I was a senior in college. So I basically started working for them right out the gate when I graduated from college um, as basically like an entry-level management position. They, they are really great about hiring entry-level managers. Okay. And were you studying stuff in the restaurant industry? I was not. I was uh, majoring in business management with a minor in international business at Santa Clara University. Okay. And kind of decided, I'd, I'd spent a year studying abroad in Italy and kind of decided that I wanted to get more into the food industry. It was just something that, it was like a passion of mine that I reawakened while living abroad and studying abroad and uh, just started to look for different opportunities and Hillstone does this really incredible three-month training program where you spend a week in every single position in the restaurant uh, before you that. become a manager for them. And then they basically relocate you. And that, that's very typical. You talk to any Hillstone manager, they've worked at five or six locations in the course of two years. Um, and so, yeah, they, they basically sent me out to Florida to do my training. And then they kept me at that store and I was a beverage manager and then kind of moved my way up the ranks and was a service right. manager and basically like an AGM kind of position um, okay. by the time I left. So you've been in pretty much every position there is... Yeah, yeah, I've definitely seen it all. All right, um, which I think is a you know a great way to kind of like, especially when you're an entry level. I mean, I really hadn't worked in restaurants before before I started working for them, which is also kind of a crazy thing. All right, um, but I think yeah, you know, to spend some time in every single position, including the back of house, and you know every position on the line, and really get a sense for like how each person contributes to the overall success of the restaurant is just so important when you're managing people. Yeah, so then you know what they're dealing with, how, what, what struggles they have, so you can Absolutely. kind of relate to it and yeah. help them better. Okay. I also think that speaks to the level of service that you experience here at Barcido because you are able to come at it from every different angle and understand how, you know, the, the, from the person picking up glasses to the, you know, sous chef to, like, the hostess, even though there is no hostess here because you guys are just all very welcoming <laughs> as soon as somebody walks in the door. But, I, I mean, that, I, like, you know, Houston's and Hillstone Group is a well-oiled machine. So I yeah. think that's very evident, you know, that you have, you know, that background. Thank you. Mm -hmm. So you said you were studying abroad. Is that where the, the idea for Barcido came from? No, so my family's actually from Argentina. My grandparents live in Buenos Aires. Um, so, I mean, I've, I've spent my entire life visiting them. It's always kind of been a huge source of inspiration. And I think, you know, when I was kind of coming up with this restaurant concept, it started with the idea of it being kind of just a simple, streamlined menu that uh, would be affordable, that would be approachable, that would be the kind of place people can come once a week and feel really good about and not feel like they're spending a ton of money and um, I, th I think I'd be comfortable doing a lot of different cuisines but I also kind of liked the idea of one I mean going back to my roots and sort of taking a contemporary twist on uh, some sort of like classic art and traditional Argentine dishes but I also think that I looked around LA and I felt like any place that did Argentine cuisine here more often than not, was a steakhouse. And I think that there's kind of this big misconception okay. about what Argentine cuisine is. And yes, asado and like that kind of like meat-heavy culture is definitely a big part of it, but it's not the whole story. And so we really okay. don't do any of that. We have one like quote-unquote steak dish. It's like a braised short rib that we do with the chimichurri. And that's about like as close we get to what people are typically accustomed to when they hear Argentine cuisine. Everything else is more kind of shared plates. It's more snacks. It's more appetizers. Um, we do a lot of vegetarian items. You know, we kind of try and, like, really make it as diverse as possible. So, you know, people who have food allergies, people who are vegan, people who, you know, have gluten intolerances 
can come here and not and feel like they have a lot of options, even okay. though we have a small menu. Right. So how do you decide what's on the menu and what what stays, what goes? Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's definitely a process, and my chef and I kind of go through it painstakingly together. Uh, we change it every three months, so we change it seasonally. We just went through a big spring menu change. Um, and a lot of it's also just based on guest feedback. You know, we, we opened with a certain menu. We had probably five items that just have been killer, that people love, that we will not touch, uh, just because they are... The pulpo. Pulpo is definitely <laughs> one of them. Our shrimp dish is one of them. Uh, the provoletta, the seared goat cheese dish is another. Um, so we definitely have some signature. Like, we had signature items right out the gate. You know, with two or three weeks in, we already knew, like, okay, these are untouchable. People who love them, we're not going to mess with them. And then everything else, you know, we play with a little bit. Like, even, you know, our, asad, <clears throat> our asado dish, we change the vegetable on it every quarter. So um, we'll do little tweaks here and there just based on what what's in season, what's fresh, um, and, you know, what's going to be kind of at the peak peak of deliciousness, okay. so to speak. Now, the, me, me and Katie were talking about this. The limited menu is, is, is very nice because you're not just hit over the head with this, this book, this stack of, <laughs> like, a Bible. To, these are all the things we offer. Because I think it's better to specialize in just a, a few things and do them really well, which, I mean, you do for sure. Thank you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, everything we had, we'll, and we'll talk about that in a, in a little while, but it, everything was, was amazing. But I totally agree. I mean, I, I think that's, like, a big mistake that restaurants make pretty frequently. Because um, I, I think it's hard, you know, to, to... Consistency is probably one of the most important things when you're running a restaurant. And it's so difficult to do that when you have a huge menu. It's hard for the staff to keep up. It's hard for even the kitchen to operate and execute dishes consistently. Uh, you know, there tends to be a lot of waste, and so... You know, we we try to kind of keep this really limited menu, ensure that every dish stands out on its own. And then on top of that, because we're not wasting a lot of food, we're not throwing a lot of food away, uh, we're able to kind of pass that value on to the guests and really make it as affordable as possible and really bottom out those prices as best we can. Yeah. Now, one of the things about the, uh, the food menu, also the dessert menu that you have, that's, I mean, we'll, we'll get to all the goodness, but the, the, <laughs> the, the churros specifically. Uh, Who thought to fill yes. them with dulce de leche? That was me. That is just <laughs> genius. You win all of the awards. Yes. And we were joking. I, I was asking earlier if you know if you would ever experiment with any other fillings, and it sounded like it was a resounding no. Absolutely. And not. for, and <laughs> for yeah, for the right reasons because everyone that I know that has touched their lips to those bad boys has just been forever changed in yeah. the churro world. Yeah, it's so hard to like create anything better than fried dough with. <laughs> Dulce de leche inside—it's just out of control. I've had it before, but still, even even now when I was having it again, every single bite is almost like a surprise. Like (laughs) what? Like I I forgot just from a few seconds ago how good it was until the next bite. Like oh my god! Yeah, we fry them to order. You know, there's it's just. They're just so delicious. Also, I like that we're starting off the food conversation with dessert with first. Because yeah. that yeah. is how really every meal should Absolutely. be. Absolutely. Especially when the churros are... Actually, that is how every meal should be. The churros should be the amuse-bouche because then you're forced to get the mousse at the very end since you've already had the churros. And then you can really want. experiment we want to force, with the desserts. Yeah. Force people to eat the mousse. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you don't need to goal. force it. It actually is quite delicious. It's a good combination, <laughs> I think, of like mousse and pudding. Because it's not so airy... That you don't feel like you're getting, uh, like, a you know, I don't know, some substance. But then it's not so heavy that you're like, I can't. Like, I need a wheelbarrow <laughs> to get out of here. one more time? <laughs> <laughs> I'm really good at the sounds. Very good. Hey, you also have a, a group menu. We do. Yeah. We, we, we actually, um, 
I think especially just with our proximity to the convention center, we've had a lot of group events here. Oh. Um, and that's ranged from cocktail parties to seated dinners. Uh, so that's that, that's definitely kind of been a component that's been really successful for us. And okay, how do you go about booking events if you want to do, have an event here? What, what, what kind of what does that encompass exactly? Yeah, so it's it's a lot easier if people kind of go through the form online um, because then all of our menus, all of our images are available that way, uh, and it's a lot easier to correspond via email. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I also kind of like like to have a, a conversation with the people and really understand what they're looking for, what their budget is, because uh, we're I mean we're also pretty flexible here, so try and figure out what how you know how to best accommodate people uh, okay. based on their needs. And is, it, is you shut down the restaurant for for bigger groups or is it certain sections? Yeah, it depends. So you know, if it's a group of thirty to forty guests, we can definitely kind of do it in a section of the restaurant without needing to shut the whole thing down. You know, if we're pushing more than 80, 90 at that point, uh, we'd need to do like a full buyout. Okay. Um, and we've done both. Okay. So, uh, Katie, you've had some events here before? Yeah, I did a Yelp Elite event here, and we pretty much took up the back of the restaurant where we're currently sitting right now. Um, but it, it was it was fantastic. It felt super intimate, even though it was still open to the public, because we kind of had this L shape in the back. Okay. Um, you know, obviously, the, the service was top-notch, and they were very dedicated to making sure that our group was well taken care of, even though there was still stuff happening, you know, with the restaurant on its own. But uh, fantastic prefix. It hit all of, you know, the top marks. Um, and ended with the churros, which is <laughs> hard, to not, yeah, hard, churros, not, to bring, hard well. not to bring them into the conversation every two seconds. Yeah. Well, the meal should start, middle, and end with the churros. That's, <laughs> yeah. that's pretty, pretty good stuff. Okay. Now, you also have a drink menu. You have some special cocktails that you guys have. They'd, now, some are on draft. Is that, is that correct? Yes. Yeah. So we um, – part, I mean, part, the idea kind of with our food menu also uh, – translates to our drinks menu so we again try to kind of keep like a small curated list again like just things that will stand out on their own we have just a couple wines we have a couple beers we basically partnered with a brewery and a winery um to make that happen and then not not to distract you from the cocktails are the wine and beer local because i didn't know the names of them but i think it's pretty cool they're from paso robles oh they're not far yeah Um, still california yeah yeah andrew jones is our winemaker um, we basically do wine on tap from him. So we do like a red blend and a white blend, our Blanco and Tinto. And then uh, Barrel House Brewery does all of our beer. Um, and they're actually like right across from each other in Paso Robles, oh, nice. which is kind of cool. Oh, and they do the seasonal tap for you as well? Because I noticed yep. you have obviously, obviously mm-hmm. like your yeah, so it's col- an oatmeal your stout right now. Oh, nice. About to transition to a sunny day's citrus blonde ale, which is delicious. Um, Ooh, that might then, actually stray me from my regular yeah. tea order. <laughs> and then uh, cocktail-wise, that, that also changes seasonally. Um, we have a couple signatures on there. The Yerba Brava, uh, the Fernet Coca is not going anywhere. Um, and then, yeah, we have four, four cocktails on draft. So the idea with that is that in addition to kind of the consistency and the quality and the actual speed of service, um, because we are kind of like avoiding any waste again we're able to drive that price down a little bit okay. and provide a really great value for guests so like our cocktails um we're, we're gratuity free so all of our pricing includes hospitality so our cocktails are 10 or 11 bucks if they're on draft and the most expensive cocktail if you're using doing like a well cocktail is 13 dollars, and that's hospitality included right i, I don't want to get back to the gratuity free thing because that's that's very interesting to me too but sure i i, I couldn't wrap my brain around the the cocktails on draft 
That, that was I've never heard that. But well, I've heard it done with like margaritas at like really really crappy dive bars, where it's just it's like a, a <laughs> sure. syrup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But <laughs> so this a little different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot different. Because this I, I had the the diploma, and that was first of all it was amazing. Uh, the, awesome. the habanero was was there just enough so I can taste it, but not enough to make me like my throat on fire. Okay. Uh, so and that's. Fantastic! I love that a lot. Mission and, but, accomplished. And, and but that, that was on a draft, and that's and I was, I was talking to Katie about this. It just it it's tasted consistent the whole way through, which I, I thought would be kind of hard to do on a draft. Yeah, yeah, it's definitely difficult. I mean, you have to kind of get creative with the way you're making syrups and doing things because you also have to be really careful with the shelf life when you're batching cocktails. Mm. Um, and this, you know, we're always using fresh juices, so that's an important consideration. Um, but yeah, I mean, we basically batch like once or twice a week. And then it works just like a regular draft system. We basically have these kegs that we can refill. Uh, I guess the one main difference is it's pushed with nitrogen instead of CO2. But, okay. Uh, is, it, is it more like a, a, I mean, and this is a layman asking, like, is it more like a wooden keg, like a, like a metal keg? So it's a metal, they're actually called Cornelius kegs. They're Ooh. like the old soda kegs. So they basically have these like pop-off tops that oh. you can then put the liquid inside it and then um, yeah it essentially uses nitrogen to push the liquid out so Ooh, it doesn't actually science. carbonate nice. the yeah. it's, it's also we use nitrogen to push our wine and so it's kind of how our wine is pushed as well how often are you guys going through the cocktails on draft so we'll usually we, we kind of have like pars that we kind of work with we usually batch once if not twice a week that makes Depending sense. on how quickly, you know, how busy our shift yep. is and whatnot. Um, but it's also kind of great because once you're using fresh juices, when you add the alcohol and the sugar to it, it extends the shelf life. You know, a, fr- a fresh juice usually has a shelf life of about three days or so. And we can probably get like eight or nine days out of it um, because nice. we've combined all these ingredients together. And then the nitrogen actually acts as a preservative as well, which is really nice. Okay. Now, you touched on earlier, you're gratuity-free. This, what, what is that exactly? Can you explain that to, to, to the listeners? Because, of course, I understand. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so, I mean, it all really kind of started with Danny Meyer's Restaurant Group in New York City, which is where I was working most recently. And he had sort of announced this big initiative to eliminate tipping in all of his restaurants in New York, um, basically over the course of the next year. And this was an announcement he made back in October. Um, I mean, there's a lot of reasons for it. You know, I think tipping is unfair for a lot of reasons i think um definitely can be yeah i i I think you know the the idea that a guest can come in and sort of determine what my staff gets to make on a night-to-night basis yeah is kind of a an awkward proposition i think it's also awkward for the guests that like after this kind of like incredible dining experience uh they sort of have to do a math problem at the end of it that's yeah that's sort of awkward and i need to put a number on my enjoyment how much money a yeah, and you're also thinking about it during the entire experience, sure. like, oh, like my cocktail wasn't brought for 20 minutes, so that's something to factor when I finally get the bill. Yeah, and uh, the math at the end of it is. And I yeah. think a lot of people don't realize that it is illegal for us as operators to share any of those tips with the back of house staff, with the kitchen staff, and when you start to think about the fact that they usually had to go to culinary school, usually have student loans to pay off. Yeah. Uh, and the inequities that exist within a restaurant, you know, a server might be making $30, $40, $50 an hour, and a member of the kitchen staff will be making $10, 11 $12 an hour. And that 
it's it's really unfortunate. It's just kind of historically the way that tipping has worked and has kind of like grown in the past. And I think age goes up, which I absolutely 100% think it should. That inequality gap is about to grow at a rate that we've never seen before. Where okay. you know not only is front of, our front of house wages going up, their hourly rate is going to go up. But then the restaurant is going to have to increase menu prices to offset these new costs, which will now increase tip averages. Um, And so there's a lot of reasons to sort of change the model because tipping in and of itself, I think, is broken. And so we've, in addition to eliminated tipping, we've also kind of adopted Danny's model. It's very similar. It's actually practically identical. Um, Where we're, in addition to raising back a house wages, we're revenue sharing with our front of house staff. So now that's how they're being compensated, Um, which is really exciting. You know, I think they have kind of a more vested interest in the overall success of the restaurant, whether they're here or not, because they're paid on a weekly basis based on weekly sales. Um, I'm actually able to provide health insurance for everyone, which is really incredible. That's awesome. Uh, does not happen often enough in the restaurant industry. Uh, And I think, you know, down the line, as we kind of determine whether or not this is working and kind of what it means for us as a restaurant as a whole, um, we'll hopefully be able to kind of continue to invest in the infrastructure here, improve the employee experience, add on more benefits, whether it's 401ks or maternity leave or, you know, paid time off, um, and kind of legitimize the workplace in a way that really... Is it's hard to with restaurants? Yeah, I feel like it also builds a team kind of feeling with everybody that, that works here, because everybody's kind of working towards the same kind of goal, and the tip is split between everybody. So absolutely, we're all on trial here, kind of in a way. <laughs> we had a we had a guest just come say thank you and goodbye to Andrea because she's <laughs> definitely the heart and soul of this operation. But I, I think that's what I was saying earlier is that uh, to Adam when we were dining is even when we when I came here like the last time or like the last couple times I've been here I have been helped by every single person that's you know uh, like here on the floor and I think that's incredible because you don't have to say oh I need my I you know I need my server for something it's yeah. like the person that you're talking to is the person that can help you and they walk around and they're happy to lend a hand whenever necessary and and you guys also obviously are you know working the room too and I think that that's really important for them to see like oh you have an invested you know interest yeah. in the well-being of this restaurant obviously more than just a monetary role yeah 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 I know we're a tight-knit crew and um it's, it's we've always been really team oriented even when we weren't doing the gratuity free thing we were on everyone was on a tip pool so it's, it's I, I think that camaraderie and that kind of like nice. we're all in this together component is just so important in the success yeah. of a restaurant every, every time i think about tipping at a restaurant i'm reminded of this uh this episode of the 30 rock way long time ago where uh he, he comes in and he's got like a stack of ones and he puts it on the table and he tells the waitress this could be your tip by the end of the night and throughout the night, he's like, nope, dollar off for that, dollar off for that. Oh, here's some more dollars for that good service thing. And it's just like, it just, it just, it seems so just like demeaning. Sure. And, and that, that, that's why pretty much crystallizes what's actually happening in people's heads a lot of the time. Yeah. And I also think that tips really infrequently have anything to do with like the capabilities of the server. You know, I think mm-hmm. the quality of the food, the timing of the drinks, like all these other factors that are totally extraneous and out of that person's yeah. control tend to influence how people tip. Um... And that's a problem. Yeah, you mentioned that it was illegal to tip the back of the house. I'd never, I'd never heard of that. That's, yeah, absolutely. that's crazy. It's totally illegal. Wow. 
Is that's they're doing a lot of the work too. I mean, the the, of course, yeah. the, the, the food might be more important than the service in some cases. Sure. Like yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You never will you go to a restaurant and be like, oh, the food was great, the service was terrible, so I'm going to tip them well, or or, or vice versa. The, the food was awful and the service was great, so I'm going to tip them extra. Like no, yeah, it's this a is really a- complex, fascinating issue. Once you kind of like start to peel away the layers, there's a lot of problems. <laughs> and how do you feel the reception is so far? I mean, again, like when I came here last, I thought it was amazing just to kind of like sign my name and walk out the door. Yeah. I have been really <laughs> pleasantly surprised because I've, I've been talking to a lot of operators in New York and kind of trying to like gauge how this transition has been going for them. You know, I've, it took me months and months to kind of like take the plunge and really decide to do this. Um, and I know that they dealt with a lot of pushback and a lot of problems and this and that. I've had virtually none. It probably helps that you already had reasonable prices to begin with, so you don't feel sure. like gouged at the end. Like, oh, I just spent a ridiculous amount on food, and then they added this silly. You know, of course, we all call it because we don't know enough about it. Like the silly service fee or like healthcare fee or whatever it may be. Right. Which, but, by the way, I hate. I, I, I think <laughs> I think that that like additional like mandatory fee. Oh, just feels like so like the, you're nickel and diming the guest. Okay, wait. Explain it. Explain it to those of us that don't understand the difference between the two. So, so two we're separate doing, things. Our pricing is all inclusive. Okay. So like on your receipt, like there's nothing else added aside from tax. Got so it. So everything that's on the menu is the price. That's it. Super transparent. Um, whereas you know, I think a lot of places in LA are doing the service charge thing. Yeah, well, that probably is a the huge service charge difference. thing. Yeah, is the health. They're allowing people to tip on top of that, right? And there's you know, there's no tip line here. Like we really would prefer that yeah. guests not tip because it'll alter the perception of the experience. Like I want this to feel like a great value, and if they're tipping on top of yeah. the all inclusive prices that I've decided have you know reflect the cost of yeah. doing business. Um, you know that well, I think that'll dipping, be a problem in the long term. Yeah, that's just dipping into a little bit of psychology. It's like if we sure. don't know yeah, yeah, yeah. that we're actually, you know, paying more, but at the same time, mm-hmm. it's evening itself out because it's exactly what we would have paid otherwise. You yeah. know, there's nothing to complain about, especially if it, there's no service fee at the end. You're yeah, not- it's so funny. These two guys, Craig and Joe, they come in all the time, um, and they always order Tito's on the rocks, and. So, I mean, I kind of like changed menu prices strategically based on a lot of different factors, yeah. but um, their drink only went up by a dollar. And like Craig grabbed me the other day, he was like, "But I'm paying less now." And I was like, "Yeah, <laughs> like like it's a great thing." And he, was he, like, and he, was, he felt tip. really You're guilty. Right. Like he was like, I, "This is a problem for me." And I was like, "It's all right." Okay, it's so okay. now I here promise. is a question: If somebody who you know wasn't obviously abreast of this information left a cash tip in addition. What ha- like do you track I them down of, and say like no take this back <laughs> yeah we throw it at them as they walk out the door right. uh, no so I, I kind of let my my staff like divvy it up amongst themselves yes. and they kind of deal with it and it doesn't go through the restaurant got it um, yeah we're definitely we're probably getting one of those a night yeah I'm sure it'll sort of start to fade out as time goes on but um, well, I think it's a fabulous concept thanks yeah, yeah. I, honestly it's gone really well so far guests have really been supportive and get it and like it and like I, th- I think it's also started a lot of like really interesting conversations because there is a lot of just misunderstanding yeah. about how the system currently works and I think the opportunity to kind of like engage people in a dialogue and get them to understand like hey like, this is why these changes need to happen at the end of it they're all like oh yeah this makes a lot of sense yeah um, like I said I, I hadn't heard a, about you know, it a, a seamless experience for them too which is great um 
Yeah, well, it sounds like the, the complaint you were getting was that they can't give you enough money, which is a pretty good uh, complaint to have as, as a business owner. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was, yes, a little specific. But, yeah, uh, that's, but, that's and nice. Speaking of your reasonable prices, you just introduced this to us, which I think is fascinating, is now you're doing an aperitif. Aperitivo, 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 aperitivo hour. hour. So, can you tell us a little bit yeah, more about so that? So, that launches on Monday. Uh, and kind of the idea was to recreate uh, something that's very typical in Argentina, something very typical in, in Italy, where you drink like an aperitif driven cocktail and snack on little snacks before you go out to dinner, before you kind of have your night. And so, we basically put together a menu. Uh, of four aperitif driven cocktails, you know, Campari, Aperol, some kind of like wine spritzers in there. Um, we're doing a couple of like shot and a beer combinations. My favorite one is called Another Day in LA, and it's a shot of tequila with a citrus blonde ale. And uh, we're pairing it with like a little snack trio. So it's going to be house made potato chips, right. some Cavalstrano olives, and a little nut mix. And it'll be eight bucks, hospitality included, five to seven p.m. every day. Eight bucks for the trio and a cocktail. Uh huh. Oh, hello, nurse. Yeah. Oh and that's my. awesome because the savory stuff that you're offering is not on the menu regularly. It is so not. It's yeah, like it's a, something special that we're doing taste. just for this kind of new little promotion. That sounds amazing. Yeah. So Holy the idea. Christ. I mean, again, it's just like kind of recreate that culture of like drinking like a nice like kind of off dry bitter cocktail and snacking on some salty snacks. Also, not that we're condoning drinking and driving, but the fact that you are downtown and people get off at like six and if they just waited one more hour, they would see less congestion on the road. They could enjoy yeah. this aperitif. Absolutely. Yeah. This yeah. one cocktail and <laughs> responsibly, trio of, responsibly, yeah, trio of, of bites. <laughs> okay. Let's uh, get into some of the stuff that we had today, some of the foods. Uh, do you have a favorite, Katie, of the... So... Uh, I've been to Barcido many of times, and I always get the same thing. I'm not usually a creature of habit, but here I am, and I always get the polpo and the churros. Um, the polpo is amazing. It is, I think you guys describe it as crispy octopus, but I just will call it delicious octopus. Delicious octopus. <laughs> uh, a poached egg. It's a poached fried egg. Okay, a poached fried egg, which, I mean, science at its best, I guess. Right. I don't know how you do two in one. But you poke that thing, and it will run everywhere, and it just makes a delicious, saucy mess. And then salsa verde, right? And it's the salsa verde, I think, is, is you know, pretty mellow. It's not like... It's a roasted salsa verde, okay, so there it's a little go. bit different. Yeah, um, and so it just has this very, like, subtle flavor to it, but the texture of the octopus is just positively perfect. Um... However, we did not have that tonight. <laughs> but I could, as you she now know, not I bitter could, about I it could, at all. I could talk about it forever and ever. But I'm so glad that I didn't because now I know that the next time I come, it's going to be even harder to choose a dish because we were gifted with so many awesome things that yeah. I don't know. Chuck put his like heart and soul into back there. I should also talk about Chuck a little bit. <laughs> you um, should give Chuck a little so, like yeah, virtual Chuck high five. Aver, I he's guess. Our executive chef. And he is just, so jolly. He's, I feel oh, like that's the perfect way to describe him. He's the best. Yeah. Um, in addition to being jolly, he's <laughs> ridiculously talented. He's been all over L.A. Uh, he was at Water Grill. He followed Michael C. Marusti to Providence. Um, oh, I he was the opening that. sous chef at Providence when they got their Michelin star. Um, West Side Tavern, Anaset. Most recently, he was at Cafe Del Rey out in Marina. He was the executive chef there for about four years. So, guy knows his stuff and definitely knows his seafood. 
Um, yeah, everything that was prepared was, was, was amazing. And he was coming on talking to us throughout the night, just kind of like little tidbits about how it was prepared and how it was made. And it was like, it's, it added to the experience. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's part of the best thing. If Next time I come back, I'll be coming back a lot. Uh, <laughs> I would like, I'd like to sit at the bar because you get that little more extra interaction with it. Because like I said, everybody comes around, everybody's talking, everybody's very helpful. Yeah. So you just get a little bit of extra conversation and to find out about the dishes or just what's happening and that, that was a nice little added bonus feature that I, that I liked good awesome yeah Chuck's great yeah but, but just, just like Katie if, if if you hadn't chosen the food for us uh, I would have gone back to the uh, <laughs> to the goat cheese oh but, the goat cheese yeah. we didn't have that tonight either but definitely Sorry. a fan favorite no yeah. again no, was, but, it, but it's, it's for yeah. the best that we didn't because you gotta branch out every yeah. once in a while tried a bunch of other things and holy christ but the goat cheese is so for everyone at home the goat cheese if i would describe it it's basically baked gooey goat cheese actually i guess you can't really call goat cheese gooey and especially if it's baked but there's something <laughs> magical about it that is like almost like a creme brulee-esque feel to the outside yeah, of we it. sear it on the plancha so it's mm-hmm. like a nice yeah. crust on that's it. yeah that's the technical term for it sear it on a plancha <laughs> uh and then uh you serve it with lemon correct yeah yeah charred lemon and we it now correct me if i'm wrong is there already like lemon kind of like spritzed on it or that is up to the that's up to the the patron that's yeah the diner it's up totally up to you. Yeah, so you can squirt that thing to, you know, squirt it, squirt it all. You can squirt that lemon all over if you're a huge yeah. fan of citrus. I, or I squirted it everywhere. Yeah, you did. You were very, you were yes. much a fan of it. I'm more of like a purist, so I kind of like it on its own. And it's served with just little crostini. Yeah, some, uh, basically some like toasted baguette. Yeah, yeah. but it is, uh, it's definitely a dynamite way to start the meal if you're not going to start it with churros. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but the way that we got to start our meal tonight was the ensalada mista, which I also said that I probably would have never ordered on my own because when you're deciding between, you know, I don't know, like an octopus and, you know, gnocchi and whatever, you kind of throw the salad by the wayside. But it was so beautifully done. The, the feta on top, uh, definitely you could smell it from a mile away. And I'm a huge fan of feta, so that is a turn on for me. Yes. <laughs> uh, the little slices of, were they oranges or were yeah. they yeah. some little other? Okay. Yeah. Um, I mean, just really fantastic. Again, really light. I know you mentioned before, a lot of people mentioned that they can't find something healthy or whatever. But that is, I think that's a solution right there. So don't don't necessarily dismiss the ensalada mixta. Mm-hmm. That's how you Great say job. it. Yeah. Thank you, Doing everyone. Well. I took some there. language classes before I came here today. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, what caught me off guard about that was the, the way that all the, the flavors blended together. When you get, when you get the, the romaine and the, and, the, and the the little orange slices especially, that changed the flavor completely. When you put it all in your mouth at the same time. It just, because the first bite I had, I didn't have the orange slice. Okay. And then the second bite, I was like, whoa, it's like a totally different yeah, yeah. experience. Oh, yeah, you got to get the orange slice Yeah, most there. of our dishes are, they're pretty simple and they, you know, don't have a lot of components, you know, three or four components at the most. But we definitely kind of try and make it so that, like, once you assemble that perfect bite, it just, like, is really harmonious. Yeah. Speaking uh, of the perfect bite, then let's move to the artichoke tartine, which mm -hmm. is a new feature on the menu that you wouldn't have found, like, two months ago. Definitely caught my eye. And Graystar bar area, which was delightful. And tartine, I feel like, is... Not necessarily the best way to describe it because the bottom was a puff pastry, uh-huh. and yeah. th- which is, I mean, hello, nurse. <laughs> and then on top of it was mozzarella. Burrata. We're just joking, burrata. I don't know how I could mistake the two. I apologize to everyone listening. Uh, and then you. like a beautiful grilled onion and artichokes and cherry tomatoes and a cherry tomato vinaigrette. Sorry, yeah, it's like tomato a blistered vinaigrette. tomato vinaigrette. Ooh, so delightful. 
Yeah, that's one of the things, combining them all together. Just, well, the, the textures are a little bit different also, but the flavors combine. That it's, it's like a, it's a wonderful medley. The, the, way, the, way, the way you chose to put the things together and the yeah. way they mix is, is crazy. Oh, I, yeah, I, I mean, artichokes are also like, spring is the best time for so artichokes. And they're just so good. They were beautiful. And I think the first bite I had was with cheese, and Adam was very jealous because he yeah. somehow missed the cheese. Yeah, I don't know how I missed it. I, uh, I, I think but I the second bite with cheese, how did you feel? A whole oh new experience? Yes, yes. Oh. Anything with cheese, I'm, I'm, I'm huge. <laughs> I'm all on board. And burrata. Yeah, everything. Oh, my God. Yeah. The cherry, the cherry tomatoes. I love it. Juicy. The acid of the cherry tomatoes is really nice. Yeah. It kind of like helps contrast. Absolutely. How rich the puff pastry and the burrata is. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a nice, it's a nice But it, you know what? Nothing. I mean, I know we're only at like the second course that we had tonight, but like nothing on this menu leaves you feeling like you need to be kind of like wheeled out in a wheelbarrow. Right. Like, you know, I mean, right. you can share them with somebody. We were talking about it before. I could have easily done two of kind of the main plates with somebody and felt like I was ready to take on the world. And it would have yeah. just been just enough, but, you know, definitely left a, a lasting impression, too. Yeah, and it's, it's, it's good because it gives you the... Uh, it's, it's, they're not huge portions, but also not small portions. It's, it's kind of a good little way to to, to mix. Because me, me and Katie were sharing, and it was it was a perfect combination. Yeah, we definitely. I mean, we kind of wanted to like create the menu so that people could try two, three, four things depending on how hungry they yeah. were, um, and you know, like experience, like kind of work their way through the menu a little bit. But we also didn't want people to order and then leave hungry. Like yeah. that, I hate that feeling. Like right. especially when you go out for tapas, whenever you would go out for small plates, you spend eighty bucks and you leave hungry. Like it's the most annoying feeling. I think sushi is um, the same way. I always so leave we sushi wanted hungry. to combat that as as best we could. Yeah, because also if, if you would have put more on the plate, then I, I still would have finished it all. But then, <laughs> but then I would probably be like, oh, I ate, I ate way too much because it just. You just can't stop eating it. You just it's But again, you guys don't like sully the plates with like extra accoutrement that just kind of fill you up. It's really all about yeah. whatever the particular kind of like main feature is on each dish, which I think is amazing. Speaking of, we had the lamb belly and I know some people may I don't know, like put their hands over their ears when we talk about lamb. However, this was truly spectacular. I feel like it was all the lamb flavor that you want out of lamb and the texture was something that everyone could get behind. Whereas I feel like lamb, that's the hard part about lamb is like, you just never know what you're going to get, but doing a lamb belly. Oh yeah. It was funny when Chuck's first kind of like sprung the idea on me. I loved the idea, but it was like a really hard to wrap my head around how, I mean, we have, 14 items on the menu. We have to make sure that all of them sell. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it kind of made me a little bit nervous. But he was like, let me at least cook it for you. So he cooked it for me. And I was, I was like, all right, we're putting this on the menu. I don't give a shit if people are <laughs> yeah. eating it or not. Like, it's just too good. It's kind of like the perfect combina- combination of the fatty belly, but then like the merguez, like kind of, you know, I don't know. Yeah, the technique with it is great. You know, he, he basically kind of like rolls it in this like Provencal blend of spices, braises it. Um, slices it into like medallions and then sears it. So it gets this like nice caramelization on oh, it. Man. It falls apart in your mouth. It really does. And then he makes this like spring onion puree that just is like really vibrant and really kind of like wakes up the flavors in the lamb belly, I think. Um, yes. Yeah. And we've and actually like it's a top seller right now. And we're both kind of like scratching our heads like, well, we don't know why this is happening. Probably but because people are tired of pork belly, too. We, it's Chuck really and I good. were talking about that, too. Like, pork belly is just, you know. It's, it's not moment. nearly as fatty. Like, no, I that's he, what he I love about off it. a lot of the fat. So it's really tender and it's really flavorful, but it's not fatty. Yeah. Which is great. 
Yeah, you're getting like um, the meat. People feel like they're eating protein, not like they're eating right, a yeah, big exactly. piece of fat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, Adam needed a moment to himself after I, I the did, last bite. I did. <laughs> like, all right, I understand it's over, but I can still appreciate it. Hold on. <laughs> yeah, because after I was, I was still okay. This is like my, the favorite thing that I had to eat was whatever I just finished eating. <laughs> so I mean, like, we'd, I'd go around through the plates and like, all right, let me try one of these. Oh, that's the best right there. That's obviously the best. No, okay, now this one's the best for sure. And then, but the pork, uh, the, the belly, that that. I think that's got to be my favorite of the of the awesome. of all of them. It, but not to be outdone, there was also a delightful chicken milanese. Yeah. No, <laughs> oh dang it, we practiced that. Milanese. There yeah. we go. There uh, we go. Clearly, not something I order ever, <laughs> uh, or I would know how to pronounce it. Um, but really lovely, very light. You didn't feel like you were, you know, eating kind of like a piece of meat that had been slapped around. <laughs> Isn't that like how it's prepared? Isn't it like, you know, this? <laughs> Isn't that the sound effect that goes with? All right. And then I would call it like a very fresh corn medley. And Chuck was telling us that like corn is in its prime right now. And so you get that little bit of sweetness, which is so it is. nice. It's so delicious. Um, but on the menu, you call it like a succotash medley. Yeah, spring vegetable succotash. Yeah, which... But I've only ever heard Donald Duck say, so right, yeah. I'm wondering why you yeah. guys chose to call it Don't that and not, it, yeah. a, you know, I don't know, spring corn medley. Does, does succotash mean corn? Succotash predominantly is corn. It has some bell peppers. Oh. It has some red onion That's in there. Every day. Um, it sometimes has, like, lima beans, which we do not have. But, um, yeah, I mean, we were also, like, probably going to change some of the vegetables yeah. in it, and I didn't want to have to, like, reprint menus every single time. You didn't want to be strong. And we kind of, yeah, we kind of tried to corn. keep things, yeah. As as seasonal as possible, so the second that corn starts to fall off, we want to be able to figure out our next our next fill in. Well, that was really uh, nice. I feel like that was like a truly shared dish. Whereas dish, whereas a lamb belly, I would have eaten by myself and not <laughs> been mad about it in any way, shape, or form. <laughs> whereas the ch- uh, the chicken milanessa, yeah, there we right. go. Did it, everyone. She did it. Um, <laughs> what was something that can easily be shareable, and you feel like you're both getting you know a sufficient amount. And then what he told us was also in season and in its prime are peas, mm-hmm. which are yes. now on the gnocchi, yes. which you guys spell a little bit differently. We so do. So everyone out there who thinks of it a certain way, don't be <laughs> thrown off by the spelling here because <laughs> this is an Argentine, Argentine-inspired sure. restaurant. So it's the Spanish spelling, um, but super delicious and gluten-free, I heard. It is, yes. Yeah, this is actually like one of those dishes that... Chuck and I went back and forth about when we were first opening, um, partially because we fought about the spelling. He really wanted to spell it the Italian way, and I told him, no way, Jose. Uh, he was no, way, Chuck. no way, no uh, way, And then on top of that, I really wanted to make it gluten-free just because I wanted to have more gluten-free options on there, and I thought to have like a gluten-free pasta dish. And I thought I kind of you know, had this idea that uh, the gnocchi would probably be the easiest one to execute just because it is already kind of a potato-based pasta. Um, and so, you know, he started to play with it and basically he uses potato flour instead of regular flour and in, in doing that realized that he could skip the boiling step because all like none of the ingredients in the pasta needed to be cooked anymore mm. and he could just sear them directly on the plancha. So they get this just like really crisp, light texture to them. That's just fantastic. We used to have them with a pistachio pesto, but recently transitioned to this new kind of like charred pea pea pesto and guanciale which is like a cured pork jowl so it's just this like really delicious kind of sweet salty pasta dish that i'm obsessed with yeah i had the previous incarnation i definitely think i i enjoy this one more 
And it's like, I think it's so snackable. It's almost like Pringles. Like you can't stop just with just one. <laughs> Once like you, you just Yeah. You just want to keep eating them. But it's, it's a beautiful and obviously, you know, very warm, like seasonal dish. Which yeah. Is nice. I, I love the gnocchi. It's definitely one of my favorites. Yeah. How, how much of the time do you think is spent experimenting back in the kitchen? We go through menu changes every three months, so probably you know the, the two to three weeks leading up to the menu change, we'll start talking and start looking at, okay, so these are the things going out of season, these are the things coming into season, okay. um, and we'll start playing with things, and we'll have the t- staff kind of taste and give us their feedback as well. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely like a dialogue, and we kind of like work through what we want to see, what he wants to cook, what, you know, maybe okay. traditions I'm inspired by. And together, we kind of put our heads together and, and figure out something that we're both excited about. Besides the lamb belly, which you said was kind of like a surprise hit, is there anything else on the menu that you were, you know, just kind of taken aback with the way that it was received? Like you thought, mm, okay, we'll give this a try, but lo and behold, it was like blown um, out of the water. I would definitely say that our longestinos dish, our, our uh, chili garlic shrimp dish that's served the remoulade and like a plancha potato hash brown kind of thing. Um, it actually outsells our short rib. Ooh. And we were, like, very surprised nice. by that. It was cool. I mean, it was great. And that's also, like, another one of our signatures that's not going to go anywhere. Um, when you did say Chuck was a master of seafood, so I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. It's, it's delicious. It's, like, one of my favorite dishes as well. Um, also, you were talking about the, the empanadas you guys make. That, that changes pretty frequently yeah, as well? Yeah, change usually every two weeks, kind of just depending on how quickly we sell them and um, sort of, yeah, there's, like, a certain type that we're making that guests really love will you sometimes like hold on to those a little bit longer okay but uh yeah we try to we try to alternate them out about every two weeks or so okay so i mean that, that's those are the things we had we also had the uh the, there was some moose at the end right before the churros <laughs> um, actually you could i mean even if you wanted to if you're if you have a large sweet tooth you could dip churros in oh. chocolate mousse for like you know an added sure you could weirdo <laughs> Hmm. Well, let's go, let's go back to the roots. Remember what this was before. It was choco oh, chicken. Do we have? <laughs> <laughs> you can dip chocolate over anything, or you know, you can. Then it and it and it and it works. Uh, and you told me the story before. Like, did it just reek of chocolate and chicken in here when you first took it over? It was, yeah, it was a little. <laughs> it was a little intense. It smelled like chocolate and cooking grease. Oh, not so much <laughs> the like delicious fried chicken that you Not so think. much. Oh, okay. No, no. Uh, and then not, you know, not to harp on what it was before and, and really like what it is now. Uh, I noticed that there are these beautiful black and white photos of our, I presume Argentina. Are these personal photos of yours or are these like more you It's know, a combination. Kind of so the photos? murals on the walls were kind of like stock photos that yep. were purchased online. And then for the most part, the ones that have been framed were taken by friends. Oh, um, fantastic. There are, I think there are a couple other just like random ones in there, but for the most part taken by friends. And yeah, I think it's all pictures. They're all images from Buenos Aires. And I, I think that's what I love about this place, too, is, I mean, I, when, I, when I come, I usually sit at the bar just because I prefer that kind of seating. But here you could easily catch up with a friend. It's not too loud. It may seem that way to the listeners now just because, you know, <laughs> we're, in, we're at the restaurant. Right. Uh, but it's, it's really a lovely place to catch up with one friend, with a handful of friends. You can hear each other. Um, you guys are super warm and welcoming. You know, it's not, it's not stuffy in any way. So I think that's part of its charm. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely the goal. Like, we want to kind of feel casual and approachable and, um, you know, create that environment where, like, yeah, you can either 
sit, have a quick drink, and get on kind of with your night, or you can spend all night here, and you can eat, and you can drink, and you can hang out. And um, but it doesn't you know. feel like you're bothering anybody. Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, excuse me, when you have a chance, can I do this thing? It's like, ah, you might get a vibe from some people. Like, I'm kind of in the middle of something right now, but here it's just like everybody's really wanting to help and try to make the experience well, and it's it, it works great. Awesome. And you guys are only open for dinner. We are, yes. Five, we open at 5 p.m. every night and uh, close at midnight almost every night, with the exception of Sunday and Monday, we close at 11. And we serve food up until then, every night. Okay. Do, do you have any plans for, for expanding, maybe a second location? I would love to do that. <laughs> uh, I, know, I, know it's still um, I don't early. think we're quite there yet. <laughs> All right. Uh, but, you know, I mean, definitely, like, that That would that would be the goal, is, is to kind of keep going. I mean, I think... You know, keep keep the concept in mind where we like want to be kind of a part of a neighborhood. I love the idea of being in a neighborhood that's that's walkable um, mm-hmm. and that has kind of a community around it. And I think yeah, like, you know, so those goals aren't going to go away. Right. Uh, it'll just be a matter of like what makes sense for us. And um, like, also, so this is so close to the Staples Center. You, just, you can just stop in right before. Close to the Staples Center. If you're going to the Staples Center, I'm a huge metro freak. I take the metro everywhere. And you guys are metro friendly because you are right off the blue and or expo line yes. at the Pico yes, uh, stop. Two blocks so away, which I love. Super easy to get here if you don't want to deal with the hassle of parking. And South Park is a beast at the moment with all of what used to be parking lots that are now sure. these like you know beautiful <laughs> construction like, yeah. developments well yeah, yeah they're yeah. not beautiful yet they are aimed <laughs> to be beautiful soon they have potential yeah they really do That's yeah good. i think this place you know i think you're going to be in the epicenter of a lot of residential things that's what i keep telling myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, and actually i don't think we talked about it but how did you find pick this location oh man because obviously was, la is huge you could have yeah, picked absolutely. anywhere i mean i was looking all over the place um i definitely wanted to be on the east side i think it's i'm kind of from the east side um but i was also really intrigued by downtown and i think kind of hit a nostalgic chord for me i uh, you know growing up i only came here to eat dim sum on sundays with my parents or shop in the fashion district and both of those things happened before 5 p.m like you would not be caught dead past 5 p.m in downtown la and so i think you know, to have been gone for as many years as I was and to come back and sort of see how much it's changed um, and to kind of be part of this movement was, was something that was really exciting for me. And then, you know, on top of that, like kind of looking at different spaces and, and trying to figure out exactly where I wanted to go and what would be most appealing. This also used to be a restaurant. It had a liquor license. Um, you know, the lease terms made sense. There were a lot of kind of like business related aspects that were tied to the space that also were really appealing and that um, were, were a lot better than some of the other things that I was looking at. So they used so to sell it chicken, chocolate, well. and liquor? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a, a chocolate-fried chicken restaurant that had 120 <laughs> seats and a liquor license. All right. In addition to chocolate-fried chicken, they had white chocolate mashed potatoes <laughs> and creme de cacao cocktails. Do you ever plan on doing a one night only? <laughs> we, actually, Chuck and I have talked about it, we, but I don't. I, I, no, yeah, the, the it's, probably, no. it's probably a good move. I mean, they are no, no longer here, so right. I think right. that probably says yeah. a lot. Probably because they found the wrong combinations of things to put together, and doesn't work out. You know, I, I, like, you I think it could have been a great concept. You know, had they like gotten a stall at Grand Central or something where it looks yeah. a little bit more foot less traffic. of a, this yeah, is, this less is, like, of a formal restaurant. Too weird of a corner. To, okay. to try out like a, you know, that, that kind of like yeah. level concept. Um, right. You know, like I think you just have to be a neighborhood spot to be on this corner 
and you have to have you know a kind of menu that people can eat once a week and if not it's i mean it's, it's tough even having that oh. so um this is a totally different off topic question what are you like when you're off uh, and you just want to unwind, do you go wine, beer, or cocktail? Because, I, I mean, you gave me, you know, gruff before for not indulging <laughs> in your cocktails enough. But I just um, love, your little, I love your little mini bottle, like, wine bottle crafts. <laughs> Thank you. They're so cute. Um, I, I'm a wine drinker. Mm-hmm. I really mm-hmm. love red wine. I really love French red wine. Oh, so it's just that I'm depleting your resource. <laughs> That's really what <laughs> That's exactly what it is. Yeah, the more you drink, the less I... <laughs> Very nice. So is anything coming up? Any kind of events or big plans? Um, so we are launching this happy hour starting Monday. So that's kind of the big, uh, the big one coming up. We are participating in LA Crawl, which is a big event being hosted by the Tri-City Alliance. It's basically Santa Monica, Culver City, and downtown LA kind of in conjunction with the Metro line expanding to Santa Monica, which is happening May 20th, which I'm really excited about. Nice. Um, Saturday, June 5th. Sunday. I don't think that's right. I think it's Saturday. (laughs) Yours yours probably makes more sense, I guess. No, Saturday, Sunday, June 5th. (laughs) Well, we'll we'll get back to you guys on that, but it is Sunday, (laughs) June 5th. (laughs) Um, but you should come, you know, any of the other days that uh, are not <laughs> Come <June> all <laughs> the days. Actually, you should come all the days because then you can have two dishes per day, figure out which one you love the most, and let us know, you know, what becomes yeah. habit for you. But it's a pretty cool, pretty cool event basically happening between the three cities. Um, <laughs> on Sunday, June 5th. On Sunday, June 5th. Allegedly. We'll see. Uh, yeah, a, lo- a bunch of restaurants bars are all participating and you can sign up online and they basically like put a little itinerary together for you and you're um, doing your apert so yeah and i think different people are doing hour. kind of different drink specials we're basically going to be extending our aperitivo hour all day so that'll be available all day and we're actually not usually open during the day on the weekends mm-hmm. oh, nice. so we'll be open exclusively for this event oh very cool so that should be fun all right well you go to the website it's uh barcitola.com also on instagram and twitter is uh, at barcitola is it emails uh, hello at barcito.com? <laughs> That's that right? it. Hello. All right. All right. Anything is else that, you want to talk is about? Is that a nod to Adele's song? Is, is that Yes, it is. <laughs> <laughs> Timely. How did you know? <laughs> um, no, I don't know. I, I used to have it as like info at Barcito. And I just got bored with it. I was like, yeah. oh, it sounds so formal. Have fun with That's it. Like, right. Hello. <laughs> hello. I and I also didn't come up oh, wait, with that. Was actually, Other people are doing that too. Mine was more... Um, who wrote, mine was like more like Lionel, Lionel Richie. Richie. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Is it me? You're yeah. Looking for? yeah. Um, so yeah, so ho- holler at you if you obviously have any questions about possibly, you know, needing more group party information. Yeah, absolutely. And all, all of our menus are available online so that all that pricing is super transparent as well. Um, yeah. And then there's a form on there that just goes directly to my inbox. Yeah, there's also more information there about the uh, whole uh, non gratuity uh, being not included. Uh, so that's interesting read there as well. Yeah, I have a typed out little letter um, just you know, to kind of help people understand the what's and why's and sort of how it impacts us as a restaurant. Okay. Um, but well, thank you so much for uh, for having us hey, uh, for thank giving you. us all of your awesome foods. Uh, except I'll be back for sure. Uh, awesome. Looking forward before, to it. Before any event, I'm at the table center. I, I don't get out to this side of LA as often, but not many do. But I do. Yeah. South <laughs> Park. That's true. Woo woo. Yeah. 
Yes, but before any game, for sure. And I will tell all my friends if they're ever going to a game, this is you gotta check out this place. Thank you. It's very cool. Awesome. But yeah, thanks, uh, and uh, until next time, I'm Adam. That's Katie and uh, Andrea. Thank you. Thank, Thank you. you. Thanks. <laughs>